Asset Radio. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Keelguard Studios. Knock, knock. Who's there? Bass Edge. Bass Edge who? Bass Edge here with you. <laughs> hey, Aaron, what's going on? Dude, I'm uh, maybe I'm slightly delirious. I don't know, but I, I had to go with the knock-knock joke. Welcome to the June 1 episode of Bass Edge Radio. Kurt, that's what I appreciate about you. You just never know what's going to come out of your mouth, even after 353 <laughs> episodes of At The Mic With You. Yeah, so keeps it interesting. And speaking of keeping it interesting in 353 episodes, every single one of those has been brought to us by Megaware, Kilgard, our great partners in Ogden, Utah, but of course, the manufacturers of so many products that all of us owning personal watercraft, uh, it basically solves a problem, Kurt. We've talked about it many times. First, do-it-yourself keel yeah. protector, the battery guards, the flex step, skate guard, so many things. So Bow anyway, yeah. yeah. This goes on. It's hard to remember. Always coming out with new products too. So that's that's exciting. You know, they got something new you know, every now and then and always some upgrades. So I really like that. Yeah, be sure to visit them at keelguard.com. Um, Kurt, uh, a lot of exciting stuff going on. I believe we had our first Wisconsin Elite winner and not not only did he win, it was a thrashing. It was a thrashing. Caleb Cup Hall, 17-pound, 14-ounce margin of victory there at the BAS's Elite Series on Lake Gunnersville, the second largest margin victory ever in the Bassmaster Elite Series history. Um, first would have been Patrick Walters, who has been a previous guest on our show. He had a 29-10 margin at Lake Fork just last year in 2020. So uh, interesting stats there, Aaron, and uh, congrats to Caleb. Uh, Also, shout out to Jason Abrams, now a two-time MLF Pro Circuit Champion out at Lake Eufaula, knocked the door down, fishing up the river. Aaron, the river dominated over at Lake Eufaula. You would think Late May, or I guess it was mid-May, I, I can't even remember. I'm still at a fog from how poorly <laughs> I've, I've executed my last three events. Uh, we we had to talk about that. Rick Clun actually had a I'm, – I'm kind of going on a tangent right now. But Rick Clun had a post about tough tournaments and tough stretches, and uh, I read it with heart to heart because I've had some tough tournaments and tough stretches the toughest three-tournament stretch in my fishing career, as a matter of fact, Aaron. But uh, not dwelling on that because what I really wanted to bring to attention at Lake Follow was that Jason Abrams went against the grain. Uh, most of the top finishers, many of them fished up the river. And um, you would have thought Lake Follow mid-May, brush piles, down lake, not the case. So No, and, think- and Kurt, I want your thoughts on this, but I can speak for kind of the Missouri region Uh, Things are late, and my experience has been in talking with other guys. For instance, there was a solo pro being a a few weeks back now, but uh, during practice, uh, Bobby Albert, one of my good friends, um, he was there practicing, and rolls in, and practice, water temp, is in the low 60s. You know, I'm leaving to go to Truman here uh, next week for the upcoming MLF BFL event, and I anticipate the waters. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't know about sight fishing, but certainly it's not going to be, I don't think they're going to be in a high recovery post-spawn, right, to where they're they're keying in out on the brush piles. You'll probably have some out there, 
But when you're looking at those percentages or the masses that we're going after, uh, just odd times. Yeah, it is. You take a, you know, again, going back to that Gunnersville event um, just last week, you know, the Caleb and, you know, crushed it there, flipping shallow. Typically, you're going to see some offshore bite toward the end of May at Gunnersville, and there were fish spawning, guys seeing fish on beds. And um, so I saw Dylan Hayes fishes the MLF Pro Circuit to follow him on social media. Uh, he posted just a couple days ago a fish on a bed at Lake Ouachita in Arkansas. That's nuts. Like, That's nuts. Yeah, it's, it's almost southern. It's kind of mid-Arkansas, kind of southernish Arkansas, though, kind of mountainy, but still, it's Arkansas in late May. But neither here nor there. Keep that in mind, Bass Edge listeners. When you're going out fishing, things are behind all over the country, it seems. Keep that in mind when you're establishing your patterns, thinking about strategies before you hit the lake. So uh, something to certainly take from a lot of tournaments and, and things that we're seeing out there on the water. Things are definitely, what do you say, Aaron? Two, maybe three weeks behind. Maybe two, at least two, right? I, I would say two is a very safe bet for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, great stuff there. So, Aaron, we've got a, a fantastic show coming up. Our, our seg B, something a little different for this episode. Uh, y'all hang in there. Listen to that. It's going to be talking about some trolling motors with probably one of the best marine dealers in the industry to talk about that stuff. So oh, y'all stay down. tuned for that. Yep. And right now we're going to an awesome protecttheharvest.com tackle tip. Y'all hang in there. Aaron and I will continue another great episode of Bass Edge Radio right after this. This episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with BASS Elite Series Angler, Bill Lowen. All right, guys, you heard me talk about the three bait selections that uh, I would go with in that post-spawn funk. Um, but we're going to touch on the line right now. Um, to me, three baits that we're talking about is a swim jig, a finesse popper, and a frog. Um, you know, those to me are baits that you're going to fish on braided line. I like Seaguar Smackdown braid and the Stealth Gray. Typically for me, I'm going to run that 30 or 40 pound on my swim jig. I like a lighter braid than a lot of guys like because I want to get the most action out of that jig that I possibly can. On my top waters, whether that be the finesse popper or my walking style baits, um, I'm going to go with typically a 20 or a 30 pound braid on those. And then when you're up there in the junk throwing that big frog, that optimum frog, um, I'm going to go with a 50 pound braid when we're up there fishing in the junk. So remember this, if you're fishing those top waters and that swim jig, definitely go with braid. You don't want to use that fluorocarbon line where you get a lot of stretch because a lot of times those fish are in the junk and you need to get them out. So that's our tackle tip of the week. Awesome, Bill. Thanks for that tip brought to you by protecttheharvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Live Well, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. 
Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, I am really enjoying, you know, when we get the moment to have a special guest on these episodes. People are going to be stoked to hear this one right here. Justin Russell from Russell Marine in El Dorado, Kansas, one of the ultimate sources for boating electronics, trolling motors, and any kind of boating equipment for that matter. Justin, appreciate you being on the show, and thanks for taking time to chat with Bass Edge Nation. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Anytime we can educate people out there in the kind of confusing realm of electronics and trolling motors. We're glad to help. Well, uh, you hit the nail on the head, Justin. You know, you say when uh, in the confusing realm, it's 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 hard enough trying to figure out how to often catch a bass, let alone then when you st- have to start outrigging a boat and uh, just the, the technical aspects that are now with, with some of the gadgets, right, that we use. But I, I can remember growing up and my start in fishing, as I'm sure most of us can relate, you know, I didn't have the benefit of having a brand new bass boat and, and trolling motor and, and electronics. I kind of started with a old Older model and then made some upgrades, which is really what I, I want to dive off with you in is tackling trolling motors today and specifically replacing trolling motors on older model boats. You know, that can be a tremendous upgrade. And although kind of Motor Guide has, we, we haven't heard as much from them in the last uh, couple of years, but we do have four great products from four manufacturers being Minkota Motor Guide and now Garmin and Lowrance. Is that correct? Is that accurate? No, no, you're absolutely correct on that. So, you know, years ago, there was always this competition between Motor Guide and Minkota as the only two, and they really were. You know, back in the day, you had some Johnson trolling motors, you know, early on in the 90s. Um, But what we're seeing here is kind of this revolution of the electronics manufacturers are realizing how important it is to have trolling motors in their lineup that pair with their units that they offer. So it's it's pretty neat to be in the industry right now and see all this going on. And it's a good time for the consumer because when you have this kind of competition and new competition that's coming, it creates better product overall. Yeah, Justin, couldn't agree more. You've done some extensive testing and, you know, you see trolling motors that come in from repair all the time, right? Based on the stats there in your shop, what would you say is currently the most reliable option for a trolling motor replacement if you're looking to upgrade your trolling motor? You know, it's, it's pretty even from what we've seen currently. I mean, they're all good. Don't get me wrong. And when you're building thousands of trolling motors and shipping thousands of trolling motors, you're going to have some bad ones show up in the bunch for sure. But the most reliable we've seen is definitely going to be the Garmin Force and the Lowrance Ghost trolling motor. They're kind of even. Um, haven't seen a lot of issues. Um, you know, Ultrex has kind of had some issues when they first came out. Not seeing as many issues on that, but it's been out on the market for three or four years now as well, too. So what we've kind of come to see, though, is you've got some new technologies in there with brushless motors versus brush. The Ultrex being brushed, um, the motor guide trolling motor being brushed as well. When you have these new brushless stuff, they're going to be a little bit quieter, going to have a little bit more thrust, more power, and they're going to last a little bit longer. So they're a little bit more efficient. 
But from just a reliability standpoint, I don't think you can go wrong with either the Garmin Force trolling motor or the Lorenz Ghost. Both are excellent trolling motors. Both had some issues early on uh, when they first came out. But both manufacturers were extremely good about, don't try to fix it. We're going to replace it. We'll send the customer or send us a replacement for the customer, mount a new one on their boat. They want to get the old one back and see what's going on. So props to both of those manufacturers to be able to just satisfy the customer, get them back on the water, not really have to mess with a lot of stuff, you know, and not have to do a lot of trial and error. I mean, when you think about it, Motor Guide and Minn Kota have been out for decades, you know, 40, 50 years. So to see a company that is completely new to trolling motors being Garmin and Lowrance and being as successful as they have with that trolling motor, with the reliability that they've had, it means they've done a ton of research and a ton of testing to improve upon what's been out there on the market. So I'm pretty impressed just from those two manufacturers to be able to see them come to market in a fairly short amount of time and to be as successful as they have and not have the failure rate that I would have expected to see, honestly, just because they haven't developed a trolling motor before. So that to me is pretty impressive that they've been doing a lot of things right and they've been doing a ton of testing. Correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, but I think what I heard you say there that you don't necessarily have any any fears whatsoever with the new brushless technology that has kind of came around into the trolling motor manufacturing. And obviously there there is a quietness factor, you know, that uh, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying on, on that mm-hmm. aspect. Are there any negatives uh, when you look at the brushless versus the uh, brush technology on older style uh, technology? No, not really. You know, keep in mind the brush versus brushless technology has been out in other industries, uh, specifically like tool manufacturers and stuff like that for a long, long time. You know, a lot of these new drills and drill drivers and stuff in the construction industry have been brushless for a long, long time. So the technology has kind of been proven in another industry before it was brought over. The main thing that you gain by having a brushless is you don't, we don't see the interference. You know, over time, an older motor guide or Minn Kota, you'll start to have some customers complain like, heck, I'm, I'm starting to get a lot of interference on my graph and I never saw that before. It's brushes that are, you know, going out or the Toral motors just getting worn down and a little bit just overall more noisy. And that's where we're seeing the interference. We're not really running into that with the new brushless trolling motors at all. So that's one of the main benefits of it is just over time, we're not seeing that interference show up on the graph that we sometimes see with some of the other older motors. That's super cool. I, I, I'm still running an Ultrax at, at the moment and, and I like it. It's a good motor. Interested to move maybe in my next boat to, the, you know, one of those brushless models. I feel like there, as you mentioned, Justin, you know, some advantages that I'm not able to see, obviously, but uh, once I'm in a user mode of those, um, I'll be surprised of how much uh, the technology has improved my, you know, maybe my game, you know, as far as electronics sure. and stuff like that. Really interested to dive into, do you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, the electronics companies coming into, obviously, the trolling motor industry, uh, specifically, well, we know, you know, Minkota, obviously, with Johnson, I think it's Johnson Controls, you know, with Hummingbird and, and their electronics platform. Then you have, you know, obviously, Lowrance with the Lowrance electronics platform, Garmin with Garmin electronics platform. Do you feel like today's time, when you choose a trolling motor, you're essentially choosing electronics or do you feel like there is still movement within using some different electronics with other trolling motor manufacturers? 
You know, that really depends on the customer um, and, and how we drive that is or how we gauge that is, you know, are you happy with your current electronics now? And are you just wanting, say, a trolling motor that's going to hold you in place? You know, that is a price dependent. So I truly feel that motor guide is kind of the oddball out here in the aspect that they do not manufacture their own electronics that pair up to the trolling motor. Now, they integrate with Lowrance for connectivity. They integrate with Garmin and Hummingbird for their transducers that are built into them, but it's still a pretty expensive trolling motor for what it is in comparison to a Lowrance and a Garmin, and it's still a brushed motor, um, much like the Ultrex is. Um, I feel that with somebody starting over with a new boat, they would rather just have everything, whether it's all Garmin, all Lowrance, all Hummingbird and, and Minn Kota on a boat. It's kind of the Ford Chevy Dodge question, but sure. I don't think a lot of people want to mismatch electronics and a trolling motor. That's just me. Good to understand the consumer standpoint, because you see that all the time. <laughs> you're, you're, you are the go-to place, it seems. Let me throw this other question out there as far as mounting the new trolling motors to older hulls. Are you seeing mm-hmm. any issues or, or concerns there with strength of fiberglass work to withstand the torque of these new motors? And also, the brackets are different, right? If you had the old four tracks, then that's different. If you had the old motor guide mount, then, then that's different, obviously. Obviously, a lot of these new mounts, specifically the Garmin, is, is a much bigger uh, style of mount. How is that mm. as far as, you know, consumers upgrading to this new technology for trolling motors and, and removing the old one? And, and how's that all come together? You know, the great thing about a lot of these trolling motor manufacturers, props to them on this, this was something that I thought was very well thought of before they came to market. So when you have a trolling motor like the Lowrance Ghost, the bracketing is actually double cut or double drilled, I should say. And what I mean by that is it will replace a motor guide trolling motor. It will replace a Minn Kota trolling motor and use the same hole pattern. So that way, if you're pulling off like a four trucks trolling motor or a motor guide 2 or 109, you're not going to have to drill other holes into the front deck of the boat. Or if you have to drill a couple, it's not a big deal to have a couple. You're not going to have a front of the boat look like Swiss cheese necessarily, you know, like we kind of saw years ago and stuff. And, you know, as we continue on in this industry, as boats, you know, advance as well, too, you know, we don't see a lot of boats in the mid-90s anymore, at least through our shop. We see a lot of early 2000s still that come around, but most of those are composite decking now. They're not seeing a lot of wood in them anymore. So, you know, if there's issues on the very front end, it's been something that's been going on for a while. I don't see it as a cause of replacing a, an older trolling motor with a new one. You know, if the damage is already there, it's been done and been working for a while. The main thing that we see here, because of the cost of the electronics and trolling motors, more and more people are de-rigging their boats, taking their old stuff off their old boats, selling the boat either without something or with some older technology and installing it on their newer to them boat, maybe a newer used one or their brand new one. You know, these things are more and more an investment. And as the costs continue to increase, we're just changing them out on boats a lot of times as well, too, where we didn't see that in the past. You know, a lot of people would trade their boats in or sell their boats with the latest stuff on it because they're upgrading all new. Now we're seeing the gap of people keeping that stuff a lot longer than what we used to. And they're just installing it on new boats. Yeah, good point there. And quickly before we go, you went right to where I wanted to go, and that is investment. Can you provide some guardrails on on the cost for you know a new motor installation, and then also, sure. uh, how difficult is the 
install for, let's say, a do-it-yourself? You know, it's really not that bad. A lot of times, the main thing people kind of get hung up on is just the wiring, and that's pretty direct as well, too. But, you know, unbolting and rebolting on the bracketing and stuff like that isn't that difficult. Where we see a lot of people kind of struggle is uh, connectivity to their units, if they're trying to connect it to their units and networking and stuff like that. Or if they're going from like a 24-volt trolling motor to a 36, how do they do the wiring in the back for a jumper to add an extra battery? The actual trolling motor itself of just unbolting and rebolting on and tightening stuff down, it's really not that bad. Just follow the instructions, take your time. It's something that we can do at our shop here in an hour, hour and a half. Most people at home will be able to do it in two to three hours, just taking their time and, you know, following the instructions, unboxing everything and making sure they have all their parts. Yeah. Let me just add, that's a whole nother topic, power becoming such Mm -hmm. a major component of today's electronics and trolling motors. Aaron, that might be a topic in the future with Justin. (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking Justin 2.0 is is what I'm thinking. (laughs) No, that would be great. That's a topic that we almost run into almost every day here with customers with issues. If you talk to any of the manufacturers, trolling motor manufacturers or electronics, 90% of customer issues that they have or complaints are due to installed incorrectly or not correct power to the unit itself. Uh, Very good to know. Well, um, before we get out of here, can you let listeners know how to uh, tap into a lot of just your resources that I've been uh, kind of the benefactor of of watching several things, as well as, you know, for somebody like me, I have no interest in trying to figure out how to do jumpers and that in the back of my boat. Leave that to the professionals like yourself. How can people find you? No, absolutely. We're on social media on Facebook, Russell Marine Products. You've got our website, of course, russellmarineproducts.com. And of course, our YouTube channel, we've got a bunch of products product reviews, comparisons, um, installations, and stuff like that. So that's uh, on YouTube. It's Russell Marine Products. Yeah, great stuff. And I got to give a shout out to the YouTube channel there because Russell Marine Products gets the equipment almost before anybody else. And they're able to put it on a boat and do a YouTube review. So a lot of times you get your information first right there from Justin at Russell Marine Products. Justin, thanks for so much for being on the show. We've got a run. We've got a featured angler in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight coming up next. Bass Edge, y'all stay tuned. Aaron and I will return in a moment. This is BASS Elite Angler Kyle Wilcher. This is Bass Elite Series Angler Bernie Schultz. This is BASS Bassmaster Elite Angler Stetson Blaylock. This is MLF BPT Angler John Murray, and you are listening to Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Aaron, I'm stoked to have a BASS Elite Series rookie with us on today's show. Aaron, this young guy, he's he's a great fisherman, but also 
he's in the tackle manufacturing industry as well. So that's super cool. We're going to chat with him t- today about that. But we're going to get right into it. And welcome to the show, BASS Elite Series Angler, KJ Queen. Thanks for hanging with us on Bass Edge, KJ. Hey, guys. Thank you all for having me on the show. Well, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, certainly, like Kurt said, great to have you here. As he mentioned, off to just really a fast start on the BASS Elite Series Trail after an amazing college career, then qualifying for the Elites in your first season through the Opens. Um, Now right in the hunt for your first classic qualification with two Northern events remaining. You know, and after all of that, how does it feel to be a professional bass angler, KJ? Man, it's honestly a dream come true. I mean, ever since I was little, all I could think of is being a professional fisherman. And, you know, to actually be here and be on this level and to get to compete and do it, it is a dream come true. And, you know, just to be out there fishing against the guys that I look up against and, you know, like you look over and you're sitting there about to blast off. For example, I was at Loudon the first, uh, the second tournament and, uh, I look over and I see Rick Klun, and he's over there sharpening his hooks. I'm like, dude, that's intimidating right there, but that's <laughs> one of the coolest things I've ever seen, you know? It, it is awesome. Definitely a dream come true. Did you feel a lot of pressure going into this uh, rookie season, or, you know, did you feel like there was going to be, you know, you had some time to feel some things out? You know, kind of what was your mental feel coming into to your first Elite Series season? Um, you know, it was definitely a little nerve-wracking. Uh, you know, at first, the first one or two. And then, um, you know, I had a good finish there at Pickwick. And, and you know, I kind of got things, you know, at the Sabine kind of got me going with like a top 10 there. And yeah, I kind of got to look at it as it's intimidating, but they're just same guys like me and you. And I just got to go out there and it's, I don't have to worry about those guys. I just got to worry about getting the fish in the boat and focus on putting the fish in the boat. And so, you know, I kind of got things going, I feel like, and hopefully I can keep it rolling up north, you know, and, and, and keep things going. So For sure, man. We're going to tap on something real quick. I mentioned in the opening of the introduction, you know, you're in the tackle industry too, man. You got Queen Tackle. I remember we met fall of 2019. I think you were just getting out of college. You went to Bethel, uh, had a crazy good college career, and um, you know you were getting ready to jump into the Opens in 2020. Your tackle, the Queen Tackle, won Best of Show, Aaron. It won Best of Show at, wow. at Pittman Show that that year. And that, and that was really cool and, and always stuck to me. And, and KJ was such a nice, nice guy. And, and he had a buddy there helping him work the show. And it's a family business. His dad's in into this thing with him, you know, with this queen tackle. Man, KJ, how tough is it trying to be in the tackle manufacturing business, dealing with, you know, obviously we haven't had many shows through the COVID process, but dealing with, you know, wholesalers yeah. and retailers and opening up shops and doing that kind of stuff, still, you know, working to concentrate on your fishing. And how is that whole process kind of merging together for you? Um, you know, it definitely is pretty tough being on the road, being gone. When I'm home, it's work, 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 trying to get caught back up. But uh, I still focus on fishing, and, you know, I couldn't do it without the help of my grandma. Man, she helps us out tremendously, and we have some friends that also helps us out with the tackle business when, when me and Dad, you know, Dad also fishes the Bass Opens as well. Hey, he a- and let me shout out to Dad, finished third yeah. at the James River just recently. How cool was that? That is awesome. I was pulling for him, man. I was hoping he'd pull it off. He almost had it, but, you know, I'm proud of him. He's going to go ahead and fish the rest of the Northern Open, so I'm hoping that, you know, he might have a shot at making it onto the Elite Series. That would be 
you know, too cool. So, KJ, what type of products does Queen Tackle provide, and how do you feel kind of the promotion piece uh, from the Elite Series is elevating your business? Well, uh, some of the products that we uh, have innovated, uh, one of the coolest ones is the Queen Tackle Switchblade. And with this Switchblade, uh, it's very versatile, and you can make a lot of different things vibrate. And uh, for me, fishing on the Elite Series, you know, I have to have something that's definitely a little bit different you know, I feel like to have a shot at it. And uh, the, the switchblade, adding it onto our tungsten jig, whenever it hits that head, it gives a whole different sound. And I believe that I compete with these guys using my own product. And being able to use my own product and compete with these guys helps me promote my own business even better. Because, you know, I'm using my own product to catch the fish that I'm weighing in. You know, I can't promote it any better than that. So, yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, with... With the business and uh, with I, I got a, a van that I'm actually been staying in, traveling with, and I got you know a clean tackle right on the side of it and got it on the boat. I definitely, uh, we can definitely tell the sales have went up and uh, it's definitely increased the help of our business. And um, you know the Elite Series, you know definitely has elevated it, and I'm hoping to get a, a win one of these days and uh, definitely elevate the business. So tell me you know, more about Queen Tackle and some of the products, you know, the switchblade, you mentioned about putting that on a jig, basically creating a vibrating jig that. Correct. And so one of our coolest products that we have also is our hammerhead jig, which is basically like our ledge style jig. Uh, But what we have in it is a six alt hook and a rattle built inside of the head, a tungsten rattle. So we also take the blade and put it on that jig as well. And it gives a little bit heavier thump to it. It also has a rattle in the head. So it gives a little extra rattle. So it gives a different sound, a different profile than most other vibrating jigs. You also... um, What's really cool is uh, we have it built into a shaky head, which is our hammer shake, and it's a rattling shaky head. So any type of pressured fish that you you can't get to bite sometimes, it's on a you know on a ledge or on a a hard spot or anywhere that's you know fishing docks or anything, and that you know just not wanting to bite. One of my favorite things to use it for is actually bed fishing. You know that fish is sitting there on the bed, and you, you pull it up to it, and you, and you just shake it a little bit, and that little bit of rattle, not much, just a little click, just like a little bit of a crawfish, is just enough to make that fish trigger and bite. I've seen it time and time again where you can flip, you know, different things, a jig, or you could flip a regular shaky head over there, and that fish not react nearly as much as soon as you flip that hammer shake and start rattling it, that fish will get triggered and decide to bite. And uh, I'm really excited about one of our, our newest products that we just come out with, uh, is the peanut jig, which is our finesse jig that uh, I actually got a couple buddies that's been uh, fishing with it up north, using it on a couple different lakes, and they've been smashing them on it. So I'm hoping for that northern swing, I can take that little finesse jig, that little tungsten finesse jig, and trim it up and put some big smallies in the boat with it. What are some of the advantages of tungsten that, you, that you're that you seeing through your manufacturing process? I think the hammerhead is, is lead, right? But the other two jigs that you've got are tungsten. Is that correct? They're all tungsten. They're actually. all tungsten. Okay. Correct. We also make uh, other, we do tungsten weights and tungsten swing heads and regular shaky heads as well. But uh, so one of the coolest things about tungsten, so it's like 40% denser than lead. So whenever you hit anything hard, any rocks, any shells, that tungsten is always clicking. It always has that little bit of an extra click to it. And then whenever it hits these things, you can feel it. You get, get the extra sensitivity out of it as well. So a fish in his, you know, it naturally, a crawfish, when it crawls across the bottom or whenever it clicks its tail, 
it has that little bit of a click to it. So whenever you hop a jig or like say our hammerhead, it has the rattle in the head. You can get out on a deep ledge. You know, it's getting that time of year where they're getting out to them deep waters. You can take that jig and stroke it up off the bottom. That big head, whenever it comes back down, just hits the bottom, hits that shell. It's clicking, it's knocking, it's got a rattle in there, it's shaking. You know, it's just something extra that not a normal jig has. And that's what makes the difference in, you know, making fit. I feel like it's helped me out and made, you know, a difference for my dad also as well. He won uh, co-angler of the year in the Opens last year. That's why he's actually fishing the, the Opens this year. And uh, I believe that it's definitely made a difference just by using tungsten, just by getting a few extra bites. And a few extra bites, you know, the difference in fishing. Well, let's shift gears a little bit, KJ, because I totally agree with everything that you just said. And it's interesting because it ties into kind of your area being from, you know, Catawba, North Carolina. It's it's a pretty special area. I'm curious to know kind of what is so special about the area you're from. And, you know, Catawba, North Carolina is, is your hometown. And if you drew a triangle from your area down to, let's say, Greenville and, and swing south to Santee, there's not a lot. There's just, I mean, that is a stack area of amazing anglers in that region it is it, it truly is man i mean honestly you'll pull up to one of the tournaments down there and i look over and about half the guys i fish with on the elite series there's fishing the little local night tournament i'm about to go fish <laughs> right. you know what i mean like like it, it is like it's you know there's hank shane lineberger shane lehue there's several of them i can keep on naming them all off but honestly dude all the tournaments that we pull up to at the house you look and half the guys that show up, they're either a, a local pro or a traveling pro or, you know, just a, a stick, one of the two. So you got to bring your A game, definitely. And that goes for, I mean, all the way down in South Carolina and all them other, other lakes. Like you have a CBC or something like that. And them guys know how to catch some fish, no doubt. Can you pin it on what's going on in that area? Is there something in the water? Or what do you think it is? That <laughs> Man, I think what it has to do with, I don't know if this is true or not, but a lot of times I feel like the areas that if you look where really good anglers come from are areas that have places where a lot of fish are caught. So, like, if you look at places like that's a really, really tough areas that don't the people don't really catch many fish, maybe one or two when they go out. There's not as many anglers coming from that area, but like look like a Texas, like that place produces professional anglers as well. And it's you know, it pumps out fish constantly in those places that people are always catching fish. And you know, the lakes that we have around the house are just chocked full of fish and people are always constantly catching fish. And I think the more fish you catch, the better you get. I mean, you you know, you get the bite, you get the feel. Every fish, you know, you, you, it makes you a little bit better. Everyone attunes you in, basically. So, like, I just feel like the areas that you're from, if you have more fish catching, is basically the areas that's going to produce your better fishermen that's a great point you know i've asked that question to a few different people no one's quite explained it as well as i think that you just did and and so folks out there bassage especially young anglers take the plunge get somewhere where you can get a lot of bites catch a lot of fish it's going to lead you on a path maybe similar to kj's man because it's definitely helped um you're right behind brian new in the rookie of the year race kj um are you watching the points closely uh is it gonna affect you fishing these final events of the season what's your thought process about obviously classic qualification rookie of the year race two events remaining to go man i'm fired up and i'm trying to hunt down old newbie 
<laughs> I'm on the catching bad. <laughs> I'm definitely watching them points close. And, uh, man, I'd love to make it to the Classic. That'd be a dream come true for me. And, uh, you know, and to win that Rookie of the Year, that would also be a dream come true, man. I mean, you know, I'm close. You know, I'm right there, like eight points behind. You know, I'm right there at it. So I just got to stay in it. You know, keep fishing hard. Don't don't let the pressure get to me. I'm just going to focus on, you know, go up there and go catch some big old brown fish, maybe some green fish too. So just try and go out there and put them in the boat. It's going to be fun to watch, man. We're going to take a short pause in the action. We're going to power pole down. Y'all stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio will be right back with more from KJ Queen chatting about his favorite early summer bassing techniques. Y'all stay tuned. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge is presented in part by Mercury Marine, returning with BASS Elite Series champion KJ Queen in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. KJ, as things are working into those summer patterns in your home state of North Carolina, what are your favorite ways to catch fish during this early June time frame? Man, you know, it's, things are heating up. Things are starting to hatch. You know, the mayfly hatch is starting to come out. So, you know, I start thinking about that, putting that in the factory, you know, a little top water swimming a jig action. You also got the brim are starting to spawn. So, you know, you can always, I like the little uh, queen tackle peanut jig, man. You can trim it up, make it really tiny and make it look like a little a brim hatch and you can fish the brim beds with that. I love doing that as well. Also, them fish are starting to get out and getting their deep water holes so you know this time of year when they start getting out deep man a lot of people you know they like to crank them and throw big plugs on them and you know i, I love one of my favorite plugs is uh one of my sponsors is actually a jinko dc25 and uh they make a actually a silent version and that silent version is man it's it's really it catches the fish ain't no doubt it's any anywhere on tennessee river or even fish some brush piles or anything like that man they're pressured at all a little bit switch to a silent crankbait makes a big difference and well, another thing that i also like to do if you're out there fishing deep one of my secrets that i like to do i'll take a, actually a three-quarter ounce hammerhead i'll put like a reaction innovation or a, just a any type of fluke or, or something like that just some type of swim bait type profile on the back of it i really like a trimmer shad as well I put a trimmer shad on the back of it, put a blade on the front of it, throw it out there and stroke it off the bottom. And, dude, them fish out deep, they can't stand it. There's something different. That tungsten hitting that blade on that head and that rattle in there, it's just something that they have never heard. And you can go out there and stroke it off a brush pile. You can take it, stroke it on a ledge. And it's something that, you know, it makes a difference, no doubt, in getting the school fired up and catching fish. Well, that you might have just answered what I was about ready to ask you, KJ, but I'm going to take a stab at it anyway. You know, we spoke earlier about part of your success and kind of that region you live in is just the number of bites. But let's say we're trying to catch and, and wanting to really key in on a 
bigger fish solely. Do any of those techniques that you just mentioned, are those ones that you employ or, or are they something a little different? Definitely. Um, you know, the, the switchblade, hammerhead, that three-quarter ounce, I'd catch usually my bigger fish on that. But uh, another technique that I like to do, I'll take and put a seven-inch trimmer shad. Jinko makes them. They're just a long, straight tail basically like a swim bait type looking bait and I'll put it on one of their three quarter ounce underspins and then put the blade on top of it. And that makes for a big giant long switch bladed underspin. Basically it looks like a, a big skipjack and it matches a skipjack perfectly. I mean a big long but it's something that you know a lot of people put them same trimmer shads and jerky jays and stuff like that on a scrounger head. Well, it's kind of like a scrounger head, but it's even better. Instead of a, just a plastic bill, I got a, a gold or a silver or a black mirror blade that's flashing at the front, and I got a blade at the bottom that's flashing. So you got extra flash, extra vibration that you're not going to get out of it, extra thumping, and that big tail swiggling on the back, dude. Them fish, that's how I usually get my bigger ones to bite. If I'm going to catch a big one, that's my go-to to catch a big one. All right, KJ, you just intrigued me. I like it. That sounds awesome. When, when, you, getting... when you check your orders today and you see <laughs> right. that uh, Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove just placed, now you know why. So, <laughs> yeah, Exactly. KJ, you talked a little bit about, you know, some of the shallow techniques, you know, mayfly hatch you mentioned. Uh, I think you mentioned bluegill, you know, spawn, that, that kind of stuff, you know, in this early summer time frame. And then you did talk about, you know, the deep water, you know, brush piles, ledge fishing. What signs will move you from shallow to deep? I mean, I think there's a definitive progression from, you know, that shallow water post-spawn, early summer bite, and then kind of, you know, there, there's something that happens where really just have some fish left up shallow, but the masses aren't there like they were early in the summer what do you see when you start to make that transition that create that move for you as you get seeing you need to move away from the bank to to really get the bites to compete on a regular basis well what i what i see uh, you know for example here's here's a perfect example of that is this last tournament this gunnersville tournament so i was catching my fish up shallow in holes in the grass and uh, off brim beds and I seen my fish slowly throughout the tournament, throughout practice. You know, in practice, I went around, I marked, I think I marked 268 holes in the grass and brim beds. And in all the beds, the first day of practice, I probably marked like 100. And them 100 beds I found, it was probably like loaded. Like I found one bed that had 28 fish in it and another bed that had uh, 16 or 17 in it and like, it was it was crazy how many fish was in these beds. But throughout practice and throughout the tournament, the fish slowly progressed and got less and less and less and less and less. Now, I know the tournament, you know, people are picking them off, catching them, this, that, and another. But, you know, not a lot of people were kind of doing, like, what I was doing. I was doing some stuff looking at finding brim beds and places and holes in the grass that was kind of off-the-wall type places out in the middle of nowhere and you know, off some points and stuff like that. So I know, like, they really didn't get pressured much, but I could tell, like, the summer heat was heating up, the water was warming up, and a lot of my places, the brim were leaving. And, like, the beds that were full of fish, there were just, there was no brim there. I think a lot of the beds got ate up, the bass ate the brim up, or they spawned and left. But, um, you know, as I started seeing that progress and on and on, you know, day three of the tournament, I pull out, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, 
man, I feel like my fish are starting to leave my beds pretty strong. Like, I'm still catching some. Like, I'm still catching them decent, but my bigger ones aren't there. So I pull out, and I'm like, man, there's one of these points sticks out, like a midway, halfway out little point like that should have some fish on it. I marked a few on it the other day in practice, and I was talking to my marshals. I was like, let me pull up here and fish it. I was like, I pulled out my crankbait out of my box, uh, my silent CD25, and I fired it out there, cranked it down there, boom, one smoked it. I pulled on it, she pulled off. I'm like, dang it. I was like, man, I know they're there. I fired back out there, cranked it down, locked into one, popped it in the boat. It was like a three and a half pounder. I was like, all right, sweet. I called out a two and three quarter for like a three, three and a half. I'm like, sweet. I know there's some bigger ones out here deep. So I started fishing out there deep, trying to get something going, but I never could really get nothing going. Still went back to my brim bed, still caught some more fish, but they weren't as big. So I kind of went back out deep. But by that time, you know, it was into the tournament. So it was over, but them fish were on their way, and I feel like I could tell by the guys that were, you know, some of the guys catching the fish, like Paul, Nick, and Zaldane, I was talking to them in line, and they were saying, man, the fish are getting out there, there's more and more coming. It's like, and I could tell they were leaving the beds at the same time, like there's more and more, you know, leaving the beds. One question I do have, and and Kurt, you can chime in on this too, because I'm sure there's differing ways to do this. But, you know, you had mentioned, KJ, you marked 200 and some beds. So when you pull into a lake like that, right, and 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 you've got those beds marked, when you leave that event, do you go through and delete all those waypoints? Or how do you keep all of that straight uh, within your electronics? Well, actually, I got them on a separate card. Well, I actually had a different unit and then used a different unit and then took it off that unit and I'm going to use it and put it back on a separate unit, if that makes sense. <laughs> but, so essentially, uh, big story is you're still keeping all those waypoints, and you're just correct. You know, dropping yes. Every place that I marked is going to be a place that I go back to Gunnersville in the fall time, in the winter time, and in the springtime, and I can catch them off all of them hard spots, because all it is is hard spots and shell beds. So every one of those places is a place that I can catch a fish off of. So I just marked 260 places I can go back and catch a fish. In the spring or in the in the fall. There Should you go, be. Aaron. Way, waypoint management, critical yep, aspect. Good stuff. Yep. KJ, uh, man, it's such a fun interview. It's time for a listener question. Uh, this segment brought to the program by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. This question was sent in by Cameron Dunnington from Louisiana. And figuring that you got some spotted bass over there in the Carolinas, thought you could help Cameron with this question. What are tips to help find spawning spotted bass, either Alabama strain or common northern spots, do the two spawn differently, or are they pretty much going to act the same? What's been your experience, KJ? Okay. Well, I definitely see that there's a definite difference in between the two fish in their spawning. I feel like the Alabama strain, basically like the Coosa. See, we have the Alabama strain in Lake Norman, but they act differently. They act more like a Kentucky type in Lake Norman because they don't have current going through it. But a, a river system that has current going through it, like the Coosa River, them spotted bass, they tend to spawn on the points, but not in the current. They like to be like a point, like a secondary point back in a pocket or like in a creek or, or right off the main channel. But they'll be somewhere where that current's not right on them, hitting them, but they're going to be somewhere near a hard spot or they're going to be near a stump. And the same way with the spots in like in a reservoir they're going to want to be also like around a pole around the dock flow or something hard a stump they love stumps and and you know something of that nature something hard to spawn around and have shade at the same time they also like things that's vertical as well 
but as long as they have something to spawn around, they, they'll spawn around it on the main channel. They'll spawn back in a creek. They don't care. As long as the current's not hitting them, there's no current on them, they'll lay their eggs anywhere. They'll spawn out in the middle of the lake on a little rock island. You know, it, it don't matter where they spawn at. As long as it's got a hard bottom, them spots will spawn on it. So it sounds to me like your thought process, which I, I couldn't agree more, is that if there's a hard spot, that's where they're going to be. If you're talking, you know, Cameron asked about the Alabama strain. Obviously, you're looking at more of a current situation in those type of fish in right. those geographic regions. And they're going to definitively move out of the current. Not necessarily way back in a pocket or anything like that, but some kind of hard spot, maybe close to the mouth of where current is original, which is their primary living habitat. Whereas if you take a lake like Norman, they could be anywhere on a dock in the back of a creek, on a dock on the main lake, on a point on the main lake, next to a brush pile on the main lake. But the critical thing, it sounds like, hard bottom is the player. Yep, correct. Hard bottom and structure. Some type of structure that they can get around is the key. Out of both places, if you can find stumps, that's definitely the key player. If you can get a stump, there's going to be a spot on a stump. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Gentlemen, I love this part of our show because the listener questions. KJ, as you can tell, I mean, we've got some pretty intelligent people, and, and they press the pros like yourself. You know, they stretch the bandwidth of the brainwaves there a little bit, and uh, you did a great <laughs> job of answering that, and certainly I learned something. But, Cameron, we do need one more thing from you, and that is to be sure to log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize tab. Fill out the information. Let us know that you heard KJ answer your question on Episode 3. 353 and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to you. Continue to remind our Bass Edge listeners, keep sending in these great questions to the show. You can do that via our website BassEdge.com. Just click the Ask the Pros tab. You can send us an email, support at BassEdge.com and always active on the Facebook and Instagram handles. You can leave us a comment of a question there as well. We could pick it off to be the next question on the show and you'd win a gift from Bass Edge Radio. So keep firing them in well kj it uh certainly been a pleasure getting to know you here throughout the the course of our episode and and look forward to uh staying in touch with you any uh final remarks or things that you want to leave bass edge nation with as we begin to shut this uh, episode down man i just appreciate y'all guys having me on the show and uh you know i, I really liked i had a good time talking with y'all and uh one thing i do want to throw out there queen tackle check it out uh, queentackle.com and use KJ Queen 20 all caps and get 20% off on your next order. Well, there you go. Wow. Uh, can Kurt and I use that too? Is that, is that... <laughs> hey, sure. <laughs> all right. We own it. We own it. All right. Awesome, KJ. Thanks for offering that to the listeners. And, and I'm sure in, anybody that can log on will, will take advantage of that. And um, super appreciate, again, taking time out to be on today's show. I know your schedule is really, really busy. Uh, look forward to seeing you again somewhere down the road and obviously wishing you the best of luck on the remaining 2021 BA. SS Elite Series season. Look forward to seeing you in that classic qualification and, and hopefully, uh, you know, Rookie of the Year. Knock it down, bro. I appreciate it, guys. Y'all hang tight. Bass Edge Nation, we will be right back in just a moment. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour 
providing the longest lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWear Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWear Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it, power how you need it, power when you need it. You know, Kurt, we kind of say this tongue-in-cheek a lot, but uh, we have a pretty cool gig. You know what? We get to sit back, interview anglers, kind of pick their brains, and under the guys that were, you know, trying to find this out for Bass Edge Nation. But there's a lot of stuff, man, selfishly, that I'm taking for my own use. KJ's one of those examples. Absolutely. You know, he's got knowledge from all directions of the fishing process. You know, he's kind of similar to where I'm at, you know, and I've been in the game for a long, long time. And, and he's kind of got this industry perspective from a manufacturer side. So he gets, you know, what people need to know to not only catch fish because he's a great angler, but to also provide them some details on lures. I mean, some of the things that he talked about with his company, Queen Tackle, I mean, you couldn't have written it out better. I mean, you know, he, and he just spieled it. So, it, it was fun to listen to, brought in some enlightening moments, obviously, throughout the interview. The other thing I really liked is when I asked him about the AOI race, he's like, yeah, dude, I'm looking at the points. Yeah. I, I'm following it very, very closely. Whereas a lot of times you get someone in that position, they're like, I don't look at it. I don't want to know, you know, and, and, and they kind of like try to detach themselves from that pressure. And KJ is like, oh, I want to know. And I want to win, and I want to know from every second after every day of every tournament, I want to see where I'm at in the points. I think that's killer. Yeah, there's there's a certain uh, confidence, <laughs> certain confidence, you know, that comes yeah, comes yeah, with yeah. that approach, and and it's the abundance yep. mentality versus the fear mentality. So, uh, yes, very yeah. good, well done. Uh, appreciate you tracking him down, and uh, I, I love seeing and talking with all of the the new people that we've had and the up and comers. And that's really the Bassmaster Elite Series, man. These are the guys that are fishing the highest level on the BASS side that are killing it over there. We've had a lot of them on the show recently, and and they're. Fun. Fun to get to know more of a lot of these guys are newcomers to the sport because they are just flat out young and there's some wily vets over there too you know and and you look at those wily vets at the weigh-in line and they're looking at these guys with their bags that they're bringing in and they're like die that yeah. young you can you, you just see hackney <laughs> looking over his shoulder right. and be like are you kidding me <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly so. exactly so All right. Well, cool. uh, great episode. And certainly uh, it has been chalked full of information, as always. Additional information can certainly be found on BassEdge.com, where, uh, you know, a lot of articles, uh, videos, things like that. But certainly all the products. Jay McNamara's uh, new updated, I guess, book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, uh, Pure Clean, The Bass Edge Apparel. And certainly continue that on to Bass Edge social media. In the meantime, everybody enjoy their upcoming two weeks. Don't forget to wear life jackets. A lot of boats out on the water. Uh, safety is a priority. 
sunscreen, stay safe. And until next time, for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. We look forward to joining you on the next episode right here on Bass Edge Radio. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Transport Graphics.